0: Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Path Construction to Begin by Joanna K. Zavales. Last year, Town Meeting approved the appropriation of $780,000 of Community Preservation Act money to build an intergenerational walking path at Grove Street Park, which will include include improvements to add shade and make it ADA-compliant. Construction for the project is is expected to begin in early July. The select board approved awarding the contract to Bautista Masonry Corporation of Waltham, which came in with the lowest bid of of $574,000. According to Public Works Director Jay Marcotte, the total cost of the project will most likely come in under budget at approximately $630,000. Batting cages, estimated to cost $25,000 to $30,000, are being donated by Belmont Youth Baseball to be used by baseball teams in the spring and summer. According to Donna Ravello, Co-chairman of the Friends of the Grove Street Park, the project will improve entrances to the park to ensure they are safe, smooth, and welcoming, free of tre- tree roots and erosion, suitable for wheelchairs, strollers, and for unstable elderly walkers, many who currently find the park inaccessible. Shade trees will be planted, and there will be areas for with seating for resting and socializing for all ages. It will improve the overall look and feel of the park as a welcoming environment for everyone in the community while maintaining the open space that many find to be the park's greatest feature, said Ravello. A groundbreaking ceremony to celebrate the beginning of the project is scheduled for 10 a.m. on Monday, July the 15th, at the Grove Street Park Tennis Courts. And now over to my colleague Claire.
1: Thank, Thank you, Bob. Citizen Soldiers Received Trauma Training by Julie M. Cohen. Fortunately, it only took seconds for the drill to spin into spongy simulated flesh before clunking against bone. On the battlefield, gaining access to bone marrow to provide life-saving fluids could be the difference between life and death, a technique that members of the 402nd Forward Surgical Team learned during a recent training session at Newton Wellesley Hospital. Soldiers in the Army Reserve Unit from Fort Devens watched intently as Mary O'Connell, a Anesthesia nurse educator, showed them how to perform an entry OSEOS infusion with the drill and handheld device. The team, which includes 20 anesthetists, combat medics, nurses, and scrub techs, practice on interactive mannequin simulators at the hospital's Shipley Medical Simulation Center, or SIM, in order to recreate scenarios really experienced in a clinical setting, according to Newton Wellesley. Captain David McDonald of Belmont, Chief Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetist at Newton Wellesley, spearheaded the training session. The approach from military medicine to civilian can be different, Said SPC Caitlin Andra, an ICU nurse in Vermont. These are experiences I can bring back to my civilian job. Although she trained as a medic with the Army, she said she was glad to have the chance to participate in hands on simulations. We have to get all our soldiers up to speed on trauma care, said McDonald. There is no formal simulation center at Fort Devons. Said MacDonald. So they hope to continue to build a relationship with the hospital. I hope we can do more here, he said. In another mock-up hospital room, Dr. Paul Satwitz, a Newton resident, stood next to a male mannequin on a gurney and taught the group how to insert a needle to treat a collapsed lung. S.P.C. Crystal Kybe, 21, who in her civilian life works as a licensed Primary care practical nurse, where she doesn't see much trauma, said she, the training was very eye-opening. This exposure helps me prepare for field training that I don't see in my civilian job, said the Malden resident. With hands-on training, I learn best. One day, McDonald said he'd like to have the reservist to be able to come into Newton-Wellesley and help treat patients so they can have real-life experiences. The 402nd is deploying overseas in the near future. We will be seeing real casualties in an austere environment, said McDonald in an email. Having the support of a hospital like Newton Wellesley for training is invaluable. Now over to Max.
2: Thank you, Claire. 30 petals closed June 22nd. Third, and by Joanna Kate Zovellis. 30 Petals, one of the longest standing women's clothing boutiques in Belmont Center, owned by Winchester resident Erika Kleinkopf, closed its doors after 26 years on June 22nd. Kleinkopf said when it was time to renew her lease, she decided it was time to change course in her life, although she is not sure what direction she'll take. I've been doing this for so long and I just thought it was the right time to move on and have another chapter in my life even though I have loved every minute of it, and I'm going to miss my customers the most," she said. Arlington resident Maggie Leary-Hammerman has been shopping at 30 Petals since it first opened. She is sad for herself, but happy for Kleinkopf. It was a shock, and I will remember her with many tokens I have from her store that I purchased myself or received as gifts," she said. She always felt like Kleinkopf was her personal shopper, and felt a great sense of community whenever she shopped in the store. Women were here supporting other women, and that was the kind of culture she cultivated around the store, and I really appreciated that, said Hammerman. Another longtime customer, Belmont resident Amy Krauss, said she will miss 30 Petals. It's so personalized. No matter who was working, they always knew what was going to look good on you, she said. They knew you by name. You don't find that in a big store, the small town feel. She cultivated relationships with people you just can't get when you go to a bigger store. Belmont resident Adriana Poole said Kleinkopf got her into wearing prints, such as a dress from Italy, which she wore to the closing reception on June 22nd. Erica brought a lot of joy into our lives, and we're going to miss her, Poole said. I wish her well. It's bittersweet. Over to you, Bob.
0: Thank you, Max. Cushing Square's newest boutique now open by Joanna K. Zavalis. Women have a new place to shop for clothing in Belmont's Cushing Square, Too Tempted at 444 Common Street, officially opened on June 26th. This is the first storefront for owner Marissa Basile, 23, of Winchester, who started Too Tempted as an online shopping store in October of 2018. Basile describes her clothing line as contemporary with widely recognized name brands, as well as select fashion designers. The store also offers accessories, such as shoes, jewelry, and pocketbooks. Summer hours are Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., Thursday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information, visit shop2tempted Dot .com And now over to Claire.
1: Thanks, Bob. Keeping backyard birds safe. Feeders can help birds survive the winter but also spread disease if not properly maintained. By Doreen Kuby. Until 2005, a small songbird called the greenfinch was common across Great Britain. Today, its numbers have plunged by 35% due to the emergence of a disease called finch Trichomoniasis, usually transmitted at backyard feeders. It has not yet been det- uh, detected in the United States. It has, however, been found in Canada's Atlantic provinces, where it has killed purple finches and American goldfinches. Biologists believe it could move easily into this country, where it would join other deadly diseases already spread at feeders, including salm- salmonellosis aspergillosis and conjunctivitis, and avian pox. Despite these threats, Travis Wilcoxon, a biologist at Milliken University in Illinois, says people do not need to stop feeding birds. But Wilcoxon, who has studied feeder birds for many years, adds that backyard bird birders should take steps to minimize the risks. Take your feeders down once a week and soak them in a bucket of bleach solution, he says. Rinse them and let the air dry before you fill them up again. He also recommends putting out fewer feeders and spreading them out. Place them in different parts of your property, he says, and only put out the amount of seed that will be eaten in a couple of days. National Wildlife Federation naturalist David Mizajewski also stresses feeding in moderation and notes that NWF's Garden for Wildlife programs recommends native plants over feeders. There is nothing wrong with putting out bird feeders, he said, but they don't equal habitat. In addition, Mizajewski says native plants support insects and insects support birds. Also, goldfinches and house finch jostle for seed at a table feeder. Since sick birds can sit on food, table feeders are really the best choice. Here are additional actions you can take to reduce the sp- risk of spreading disease through your backyard bird feeders. Number one, before soaking feeders, scrub them thoroughly to remove debris. Two, keep the area around feeders clean. Use either a broom and shovel or wet dry vacuum to pick up spilled food and dropping. Three, use quality seed as a store seed and rodent proof containers. Mice can carry some bird diseases without being affected themselves. 4. Avoid table or tube feeders when sick birds sit directly on seed at a table feeder. They are more likely to contaminate it. 5. Practice good hygiene. Wear rubber gloves when cleaning feeders. Wash your hands and forearms when finished. Segregate brushes and other tools used for cleaning. Six, enlist your neighbors. Bef- because birds move around between backyards, diseases can spread easily unless everyone is taking precautions. If anyone sees sick or dead birds, stop feeding them for at least two weeks. Now, over to Max.
2: Thank you, Claire. Ready or not, how to pack a go bag by Katie O'Reilly. As climate change exposes more people to heat waves, hurricanes, and wildfires. The Go Bag, filled with things you'll need in the event of a hasty evacuation, has become trendy. You can find plenty of pre-stocked Go Bags for every emergency, including the zombie apocalypse. A company called Preppy sells luxury ones with Bergamot body cleaner and deluxe shortbread. But since you know best what you will need in a crisis, why not make your own? Contents naturally should reflect your region and medical needs. Start with the following items. Keep your car's gas tank at least half full or the battery charged up and you'll be good to go. Food and water, only a small amount. It's just to get you from home to a shelter. Pack snacks you like, they're good for morale. Set up a calendar alert so you can check expiration dates and replenish your supply. Waterproof map, bring a map of the area where you live in case you get lost. Don't expect to have internet service on your phone. N95 masks. Unlike paper versions, these masks will protect your respiratory system from smoke and other airborne particles. Cash in small bills. If the electricity is out, credit cards are useless. Stock up on ones and fives. Copies of important documents. Include birth certificates, social security cards, medical prescriptions, bank account info, and insurance policies. You can also store this on your phone. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Saving Stranded Sea Turtles
0: by Jennifer S. Holland. With a fierce wind at her back, a volunteer walks a beach on Cape Cod, looking not for seashells, but for sea turtles. No matter that it's December, pitch dark, and 28 degrees Fahrenheit, marine turtles, especially endangered Kemp's, Ridley's, and Green's, as well as threatened loggerheads have been stranding on Cape Cod in winter for millennia as they travel south. Experts believe the turtles get confused by the horseshoe of land that forms Cape Cod Bay, a.k.a. the deadly bucket, and then become stunned by the cold. Their navigation program tells them to go south, and then they hit this barrier, explains Connie Marigo of the New England Aquarium. That geography paired with the New England winter is uh, too much for them. Such strandings once averaged about 90 turtles per year, a number that seems quaint now, says biologist Bob Prescott, the director of the Mass Audubon's Wellfleet Bay Wildlife Sanctuary. The average now runs about 320 a year perhaps due to a warmer summer's delaying Southern migration or to shifts in the Gulf Stream. Tragically, last year, the total top 400. After a Thanksgiving cold snap sent 227 near frozen turtles to shore in one weekend, many beyond saving. With turtle populations also suffering from illegal harvest, incidental catch by fishermen, pollution, loss of nesting habitat, and rising ocean temperatures, humans are stepping in to help the stranded turtles. Teams from the Mass Audubon and the New England Aquarium, plus many volunteers work shifts from October to January, walking the beach to rescue victims. Veterinarians treat injuries, hypothermia and pneumonia. Many turtles are flown in volunteer piloted planes to rehab at the New England Aquarium, before release in warmer coastal waters from Cape Cod all the way to Mississippi. Why try? These individuals have, a, have survived nest predation, ocean predation. They're already made it so far, said Prescott. With a little effort, we can put them back into the population. Up to 90% of the rescued survive. A win for at-risk species.
1: And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Starbucks in Cushing Square is ready to open by Joanna K. Zovellas. Starbucks headquarters said June 28th would be the opening date for the newest location, 110 Torpello Road, Belmont. However, they missed the June 28th date because the final details on construction surrounding the building, including the sidewalks, remain. Fencing still surrounds the site, but the Starbucks sign ups, signs are up. Starbucks will be the first retail tenant to open in the Winslow Building, one of three mixed-use buildings which is part of the Bradford Development by Toll Brothers Apartment Living, offering 112 luxury apartments and 38,000 square feet of retail space. Hours of the Starbucks in Cushing Square will be 5 a.m. till 9 p.m., seven days a week. It will have 42 indoor seats and 12 outdoor seats and parking in an adjacent lot for 20 cars. The Highland on the corner of Belmont and Common Streets and the Winslow will be open for new tenants later this year. The Pomona, the largest of the three buildings on the corner of Common Street and Trapella Road will be completed in early 2020. Now, Now over to Max.
2: Thanks, Claire. A Cultural and Historical Reflection of the 1960s Through the, be- the Music of the Beatles This is at 1.15 p.m. July 12th A multimedia presentation with live music presented by Fran Hart, founding member of Forever Fab. The Beatles are one of the most influential bands in history. In 1964, their breakout moment was on The Ed Sullivan Show, where an estimated 73 million viewers turned in to see the lads from Liverpool in their first live American television performance. On April 4, 1964, they became the only artists to ever occupy the top five spots of the Billboard Hot 100 charts simultaneously. With landmark albums like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, they consistently broke musical barriers. They have sold more than one billion records. As a testament to their longevity and popularity, Their album titled One, containing all their number one hits, was the best-selling album of the 2000s. Their music is timeless and appeals to fans in every generation. This performance combines live music with a multimedia presentation to explore not only the music of the Beatles, but the influence they exerted in every area of the cultural landscape. Cost free. This event was generously sponsored by by Amada Senior Care. Back to you, Bob.
0: Along with my colleagues Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the talking news and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.